Well, 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 welcome to the mayhem Dick and Lloyd mayhem Media mayhem Market in a mayhem You might love it, you might hate it Here's my favorite freaking show Hey, welcome back to another Dick and Loy Media and Marketing Mayhem podcast. Dick Wilson here, along with Loy Edge, and our very special guest this time, Mark Edelman, head of Theater League here in Kansas City for over 40 years and has done some great productions we've all enjoyed. We'll find out he's retiring, at least from that position, what he's up to now and things in the future, and we're going to look back at maybe some surprises in the past that you'd never heard from Mark Edelman. Stand by, and... And we'll take a little break in the middle and head down to the employee lounge. You never know who's going to be singing in that lounge. It's got... Oh, hang on a minute. This is becoming a regular event here. Uh, Hello? Hey, Dick. Tony Labruzzo, second base coach for the Kansas City Royals. How you doing, Dick? Oh, Tony. uh, Good to hear from you. Well, I'm fine. Uh, How you guys doing? Well, Dick, you know, it's no secret we've been struggling. Well, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yes. uh, Well, we we need to take some uh, extreme measures to uh, get the club back on track. Yeah. And, uh, what do you think? You know, I think your listeners to Dick and Loy's uh, media marketing mayhem can uh, can help us out. Yes, uh, one out of ten have gone yeah, to the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, here's yeah. what I'd like to ask you all to do. What, what's that? Turn the volume up on your speakers. Huh? You're listening to the podcast right now. Turn the volume up all the way. Turn the volume up. And just quietly leave the room for about, what? oh, I don't know, 15 seconds. Say a little quiet prayer for the Royals. Oh, okay. If you would. Yeah, go ahead, folks. Thanks. I mean, we really need to turn this around next year, okay? Okay, yeah. All right, so turn it up and then leave the room. All right. Folks, thank you in advance for your prayers for the Royals. Okay. What? Alexa! What? Order Kansas City Royals season tickets. Wait a minute. Four of them for 2019. Hold it. Do it now. Wait a minute. I please... We can't do that to our listeners. Okay, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Dick. Talk to you later. Hey, Lloyd, look where we are. We're here with Mr. Theater League, Mark Edelman. Mark, how are you? Good to see you, gentlemen. It's uh, great to be here. You know, relaxing in his home where you can spend some time now because I understand you're retiring. Well, I'm not doing the touring Broadway shows here in Kansas City anymore, but I get, there's other stuff to There's hang always out with, something to just do. Just as there is for you and uh, Lloyd. Well, that's true, yes. How many years for Theater League? Well, it was founded in 1976, and our first show was 1976. We presented Greece at the Lyric Theater. The entire budget for that production was less than the stage handbill for a show now. But uh, Adrian's Med, who was on, I think, the streets of, he was on some TV show. Okay, he was in it. And then the next season, we uh, we did our first Broadway series, seventy seven, seventy eight, that started with uh, South Pacific. Again, all the shows were the Lyric. The big show that season, you know, the show that kind of brought everybody into the subscription base uh, was a chorus line. So uh, my career kind of started with a chorus line. You know, today people talk about Hamilton and how, you know, it's amazing and you can't get a ticket for it. Chorus line was just like that. You couldn't get a ticket for it. They just, they, they came to town and did whatever they want. They came to town and covered up the exit signs in the theater. We said, 
you can't do that. He said, well, no, we have to do that. That's part of the show. Really? We okay. Said, we yeah. said, yeah, you can't do that. That's against yeah. the law. <laughs> we don't care. We're from New York. We're going to do it. We had, a, we had a fight with these guys. God. That was the one that kind of proved your concept, though, wasn't well, it? Well, it was. I mean, I, I, you know, right place, right time, as, as is so much the case in so many fields. Because uh, that took I, some guts, didn't I it, Mark? It. I kind of was working with a, a, a you know, sort of a mentor who who was in the business and he needed somebody down here. I'd worked at, I went to law school here and after law school, and I promoted all through law school. I was the only guy in the law school who went down to the student activities and put on shows. And I actually did a play um, well before the Theater League in 19, trace this back to 74, 75. I presented a, a, a touring show using the student activity budget mm-hmm. called National Lampoon Lemmings at the, at the music hall. I don't remember, there were three guys and three girls in the show. I don't remember the girls, and I've had a, a, like looked and been able, unable to find it. Someone told me there was a movie about it. I could look it up, but the three guys were Chevy Chase, John Belushi, and Chris Guest. Oh, really? And uh, after the show, those three guys, and I guess the gals, went to our apartment, my yeah. apartment, which was at 44th and, and uh, uh, Walnut. Okay. Kind of catty corner from the Art Institute. Uh, and that's the first time I ever saw cocaine being done. It was so long ago... People were rolling five dollar bills. Oh, were they really? So, yeah. okay. so it was. It was. It was a long time ago, and uh, and uh, so that was that was kind of my introduction to that was my first tour, well before the theater league. But then I went away to New York uh, and got a job at something called the Bucks County Playhouse, mm-hmm. uh, which was a famous old summer stock theater in suburban Philadelphia, and and they took Weekly Variety, a publication you can't get anymore. But back then there was a section of it that talked about the theater, and it had a list of what they call road grosses, the ticket sales for shows on the road. And I saw Cincinnati and Columbus and Pittsburgh and St. Louis and and I didn't see Kansas City. I thought, well, gee, I mean, Kansas City should be able to, to support that. I told that to, I told my mom that, and she said, no, you can't do that. You know, for my mom and people I think of her generation, mm-hmm. although if you go back further, there was more of a theater scene. But, you know, in the early 60s, you know, maybe the late 50s, Theater came in like you know two nights at the music hall you know on you know on a rainy sure, Wednesday yeah. and then they mm-hmm. were gone. There were these ladies I forget their names who, who like had like a performing arts series yeah, that was Broadway and it had kind of you know fallen out. The, the kind of the one spark I remember growing up was when Hair came to town. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Stan Derwood who owned AMC did Hair at the Lyric. He owned you know he owned or at least operated. The lyric at that point, but uh, well, was, I wasn't was, aware of that. That was just yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of famous for you, you know people. They wouldn't let the show come in, you know, like uh, and there were people and there were you know because there was nudity in the show. The way you sold that show out is you just had a demonstration. You know, when you had you had old ladies sitting there saying, "Well, we're not going to let that in town." Of course, you can't stop that from coming in town yeah. because it's <laughs> you, know, it, you know it won the Tony. It's it's a famous piece of culture. But uh, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't need to buy an ad. All you had to do was have the little demonstration. It was on the front page of the paper. The next week you put the tickets on, or the next day you put the tickets on sale, and, and they, I think, sold out three weeks. Wow, so, uh, yeah. That's so, a great so story. But uh, years later, it was, this was like at least six or seven years later, maybe as many as ten years later, we did a chorus line, and that was similar. Three weeks. Well, my mother said, you can't bring in a show for three weeks. All the shows were here at least one week. Uh, and um, we got started, you know, yeah. on Chorus Line. And that was 77, 78. We just celebrated our 40th season in 
2017-18. The Theater League mm-hmm. works uh, in a number of different cities. Right, you're, you're right. We, we present, mm-hmm. uh, present in 11 markets around the country. Basically, the same mm-hmm. thing we do here. We present touring Broadway series, a series of four, five, or six shows, different shows, and for different numbers of performances here in Kansas City, everything's here at least a week. You know, in Toledo, it's six performances. In Colorado Springs, it's two performances. Whatever, you know, the market will bear. And we also are very committed. We're a nonprofit uh, organization. We're very committed to educational outreach. So we we have a pro- program whereby kids can see the tickets, uh, see the shows, rather, uh, as our guests. We pay for the mm-hmm. tickets. And we have uh, question and answer sessions for the actors. The kids get to go backstage and see what it's like. Sometimes we go to the schools and do a demonstration or presentation there, both for kids who are interested in the theater and also when there's like a theme, you know, like when, when we did A Color Purple, we talked to kids about what it was like to grow up in that era. So, so you know, sometimes the, the theater itself can be educational and not just how to sing and dance, but also the themes and the subject matter of, of the piece. So we've been doing that for all these years and we do it again in all these different cities. Sometimes there's in Toledo, we support the Toledo School for the Arts. Here we support the Folly Children's Series. So there's different kinds of programming like that in every place we go. What city would you say is really kind of on fire, that's growing, that has a big passion for theater? Is Kansas City your best market? Yeah, yeah, sure. You've uh, got like 20-some thousand well, we uh, subscribers. We have 48,000 subscribers around the country. We have 12,000 here, so you can see 25% mm, okay. of our business is here. Oh. And Kansas City is certainly the most sophisticated of the markets that, that we go to. There's so much theater going on here. Uh, but we're the largest performing arts organization in Toledo, Ohio. We do a lot of shows there, and, and that and that's a fairly sophisticated audience because they're near Detroit and South Bend. We work there. They see all the shows from Chicago. There you have to be careful because a show will play five years in Chicago, and then we'll bring it to South Bend. People will say, I saw it already. Oh, yeah, that's sure. That's less of a problem uh, here. Uh, we've recently we started up some ser- a series in Birmingham, Alabama. That's a neat, ser- neat market because... Uh, there is, uh, as there is in several other cities, but significantly there is, it's a pretty diverse audience. You know, and, and going to see Lion King, you know, when, you know, a third of the audience is African-American, that really makes it a different, a really mm-hmm. kind of yeah. exciting experience in ways it isn't here where the audience is more like, you know, the 5-10% uh, African-American that is reflected in the population. I mean, mm-hmm. there, uh, uh, re- you know, people were really... I mean, the Sunday shows were like going to church. It's really pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Eugene, Oregon is a great market yeah. because, uh, you know, there's people. Wow, you're, high, in, so, you're getting, in a lot of diverse places. Getting high like on the street. You know, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Strange, right outside yeah. the theater. Uh, we're in Santa Barbara where, where you think what people would be a little, you know, kind of uppity about mm-hmm. uh, the show. But, but actually everybody in Santa Barbara who would be that way has already seen the show somewhere else. So we're the series for the... Uh, uh, you know, for the folks who live in the marketplace sure, yeah, to see these yeah. shows. And invariably, we're in really beautiful theaters. You know, the, we don't own any of these theaters. We couldn't afford that. But, you know, theaters like the Kaufman or the Granada in Santa Barbara, which is an old movie palace, kind of like the Fowler. Sure, yeah. Uh, the Hult Center in Eugene. These are, you know, these are, these are facilities people are really proud of in their communities. And we play a role, just as the local symphony, opera, and ballet do, to create a reason for people to come and use those facilities. How many times do you start a production from scratch or just carry and pick up a production that's already touring and book them in? It's very unusual anymore that we that we produce. In the 90s, we had 
well, we still have a theater in Thousand Oaks, California, which is suburban L.A., uh, and Phoenix. We've been in Phoenix since 1988, actually. Mm -hmm. That's our oldest second market. And then we had some, we, we, we presented in Long Beach and Pasadena. And there it was harder to get touring shows because, of course, L.A. is, you know, that that's the second or third city. And, mm -hmm. and the Needleland organization, who was a big Broadway producer, they own theaters there, the Amundsen, the... the uh, the LA Music Center, that's a big place. So if a show comes in, we would get it you know, in our theaters three or four years later, and it's hard to fill out a season. So we started actually producing a little tour where we'd start it in Thousand Oaks and play the other four or five you know, cities. And, uh, and then we would, we would do like, I mean, I, I have coffee mugs from that season with four shows, and I think, how the heck did we do that? <laughs> it is so, you know, we just did this Wizard of Oz. You know, that was a, a big undertaking. This is doing four of those a year. Oh, wow, um, yeah. But we don't do it very much. We, we do smaller shows now. We do, a lot of our theaters have a small venue in, you know, as part of a performing arts center. Uh, years ago, we built the Quality Hill Playhouse in the late, late 80s because we wanted to have a, a, th a theater for shows like that so our subscribers could not only see the big touring Broadway shows, but also a, you know off-Broadway shows, something fun. You know, we started Forbidden Broadway here uh, in that regard, and people, you know, people wanted to see that for, for years. Uh, and we needed a small venue for that, so that's why we built Quality Hill. But now uh, our theaters in, again, Eugene, Phoenix, um, several of the other markets have small theaters, and we, sh and we create shows for them those smaller shows, because they don't, they, they don't tour, you have to actually produce those shows yourself. Shows like Late Night Catechism, um, Old Jews Telling Jokes, these mm -hmm. are all off-Broadway shows yeah. that we produced and toured to some of these other cities. But the big shows, they've just gotten so complicated, and, and, there's, and actually there's plenty of them to, to present on tour, so we don't do it anymore. Other than one show, actually in Phoenix, um, where again, there's a big, you know, there's the big 3,000 seat theater, and that's where the producers want to bring their Broadway shows. We're in a lovely little 1,300 seat theater, kind of looks like the Folly, uh, in downtown Phoenix. And um, it's hard to get shows there uh, because it's a small theater. So there we do a uh, what we call Broadway in concert, sort of like what musical theater heritage does here in Kansas City, mm -hmm. where we do the show in concert. And we produce, produce it there with a with a 20-piece orchestra on stage. People seem to like that. So that is one show we do every year. How much traveling do you do when these shows are on? Um, I, I try to visit each of the cities uh, every year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I spend a lot of time in New York because I, uh, I'm a member of the Broadway League, which produces, along with the American Theater Wing, uh, the Tony Awards. Okay. And members of the League are Tony voters. So I'm in the luxurious position of being invited to, 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 to partake of two house seats mm -hmm. to every Broadway show that okay. opens in the season. And you so actually see free, every for show. Right? For free, yes. Um, yeah, I, you know, we, my wife is really, like, dedicated. She takes the rule, if you don't see a show, you can't vote the category. Mm -hmm. She says, you got to see the shows. And okay, she really sure. likes going. So we, last year, went to 43 Broadway shows. I think we missed two. Wow. Which is really unusual for people on the road. Most of the people who do what I do they go in two or three times a year and see mm -hmm. three musicals. Because, you know, they're not that interested in what the Manhattan Theater Club is doing. But we get invited to all, f mm -hmm. you know, all five shows. Actually, there's there are now four what are called Lord Theaters, so regional theaters that are on Broadway. Uh, the Manhattan Theater Club, Roundabout Theater, Lincoln Center, and something called Second Stage just uh, took over the Helen Hayes. Those are show theaters 
that are kind of in the same organization as KC Rep. But of course, since they're in New York, mm -hmm. you know, it's KC Rep, but Stockard Channing or, you know, Meryl Streep is in your play. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and so we, I mean, that's 20 shows right there between those companies. Yeah. We try to see them all. Now, is there a show in Broadway or on Broadway, off Broadway right now that uh, we don't know about that we should be seeing? Anything you might suggest? Mm, well, I, I'd be uh, I, uh, well. I have a conflict because I suggest I'd suggest the show we're investing in this year, but <laughs> mm -hmm. well, that's good. <laughs> it opens this fall. It's called The Prom. Uh -huh. uh, it's directed by the guy that uh, directed Book of Mormon and Mean Girls. It's okay. a very, very great, very real good director. And uh, he assisted on Spam a lot. R the guy who wrote Drowsy Chaperone uh, wrote the play. It's about uh, two girls in Indiana who want to go to the prom together. And, you know, they won't let them. Okay. So there's a big hubbub. So these four out-of-work Broadway actors are reading the paper and hear about this. And they go, oh... Why don't we like you know invigorate our careers? We'll go out there and help them out. Havoc ensues. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. It opens in November, and that's one. That's one that uh, that you know that we're excited about. A big new thing. It just opened in Boston. It got a really great review from the New York Times. Is a is a live stage version of Moulin Rouge, mm -hmm. which sounds pretty. Sounds like it's gonna be pretty good. Cool. And it's the same producers who are doing King Kong on Broadway this season. Oh. So we'll see how uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Australian producers, but like it, in terms of shows coming in this season, there's a lot of them. Um, Pretty Woman seems to be doing. Well, now it uh, it has. I'm not sure it's opened yet, uh, but it's uh, it's in previews now. Uh, there's a musical based on the Alanis Morissette album "Jagged Little Pill" mm -hmm. coming out. We looked at that. We didn't we didn't say yes quickly enough. To, yeah, sure. To get into yeah. that one, and uh, there's uh, Dave. Uh, the the movies a lot of a lot of musicals that are based on movies uh, uh, this season, and uh, ours is not. The prom is new, but. Um, very we'll cool. They all now, what there. stage is the prom it's, right uh, now? It's uh, it's on sale. It, it uh, actually we had a we had a, a some good news. Uh, it it was in a Schubert theater on the east side of Seventh Avenue. Um, there's a, a a myth, and actually it's probably more than a myth, that theaters on the east side of Seventh Avenue between Sixth and Seventh don't do as well as the shows on the west side. Of Broadway in the in the main Broadway theater, and our original mm -hmm. theater was the Court, but the Schubert's moved us over to, okay. to so we so we got to move over there. So so that was good news. But it's it, it played in uh, it did a try in Atlanta uh, at the Alliance Theater, and people liked it. Some friends of ours have money in it, so cool. We are we we do too now, little bit, little. Yeah, bit. that's it. The prom, so everybody's got to see Go that. See the, prom. the prom. Okay, the go prom. to the prom. Go to the prom. That's cool. At the prom. You know, you talked about some of the uh, problems of putting a production on. Let's talk about The Wizard of Oz here that you just finished up out at Providence Amphitheater. I was happy to be a part you of that. You were great. I, you know, it's so, it's, you know, when you cast things, it's so, you know, you really don't know, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, sure. I thought of you and said, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. like, you, know I, you know, the characters, the, you know, the voices, the looks and things, I think he'd be good in that. And I was right. You well, know? I was sometimes good. I'm not, sometimes you're not right. That's a show because of, the nature of theater in Kansas City in the summertime, especially, mm -hmm. we didn't have auditions for it. You know, we, uh, Andy and Michael and I, and you know, and some of them, I said, I saw this guy. I think he'd be good. You know, Robert and Chelsea. Sure, yeah. I saw them uh -huh. do Into the Woods at uh, at Musical Theater Heritage, mm -hmm. and I knew that 
they, they you know they're going to be cast in something. Yeah, sure. So you know, yeah. last fall, I mean, I just I I kind of like tackled them in the lobby with yeah. my business card and said, "We're doing this show. Would you like to do it?" And uh, we found uh, Jordan that way, and uh, uh, you know, several others, but. I knew you, and I knocked on your door. I got the Mark call. Yes, well, it was good. It was a great experience. Well, you were terrific. Great learning and I experience. Appreciate along the, way. Your the wizard and things that like was... that. Dick played the wizard. I should Professor say. Marvel and the wizard and and the, and the doorkeeper. Who rang he, that bell? He, he, yeah, he played a role that is only written for that actor in the movie. It's yeah. not written for that actor in the play. It's mm-hmm. it's a different actor. Frank Morgan. Frank Morgan. Frank Morgan did it in the movie, but yeah. if you read the play script that oh, we got, mm-hmm. you're, it's not supposed to be, the doorkeeper is not the same guy. No, it's not. No, uh, but no. we said, well. One more costume change, why can't hurt anybody. Why, why pay another actor <laughs> That's right. when Dick's here already? You get me Wilson will do it. And, and hey, Dick will do it. And he doesn't have anything to do. He's not That's doing right. anything nap. Drag him out on stage and do one more nap. That was cool. You know, the, the set for that show, we didn't we didn't have. You know, the, that, that unit, the piece... For that, yeah. I'm talking, talking about like making stuff up. Uh-huh. Uh, the piece that you used for that scene, they didn't bring that scenery. We rented the scenery from um, Musical Theater of Wichita, uh, and we left two thirds of it there because all two thirds of it was soft goods, yeah. drapes, things that hung from fly systems. Mm-hmm. You can't use it out there. Yeah. So we just took the big units. And we unload it. We look in all of it. We said, "Well," and I don't know if you noticed, uh, but over to over on stage right, there was a whole pile of stuff we, we didn't even. Yeah, I saw know, things that didn't yeah, show yeah, up, yeah, or stuff that was in this show that we went, "Nah." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just kept cutting, cutting, cutting. <laughs> but we needed, you know, you got to have a door. You got to have something. That, you oh, know, the door you to Emerald the City. Sign. Yeah, yeah. to mm-hmm. Emerald City, and, yeah. there, and there and there wasn't one. So we we had there was a unit that we weren't using, and um, Eric Eric said, "There's a production of a play in." In Lawrence, I'll go up there and see if we can use there. And then the, he brought back this flat, and we said, "Well, we, you know, we, that's a flown piece. What are you going to do?" I said, "Look, you know, just drill holes in it. Yeah, we just, <laughs> just we attach know, it to the. I unit. just rolled it out on stage <laughs> right. when I came out, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was fine. <laughs> I love was, this. Yeah. We're finding out how the sausage is made on yeah, these things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Talk about those well, backdrops you got from yeah. MGM and things. Yeah. 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 Well, um, watching the new technology of Broadway and even touring shows where they use these LED walls, you know, like Diamond Vision at, mm-hmm. the, at the ballpark, or drive down 435, you, know, sure. you see billboards, billboards that, are, yeah. that, are, that are basically a million of your TV, of your phone LED mm-hmm. screens, you know, all put together and coordinated up there. Uh, that's getting to be, you know, a big part of uh, production. So the the play is, re- represent, is represented by an, uh, a licensing house that represents Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers bought the MGM catalog many years ago. I think Ted Turner might have been around at that time. And uh, and so they own all that. And so I, I, I said to the licensing house, I'm not sure anybody's ever asked this, but we're already licensing the movie, I mean the, the script or the, the musical from based on the movie. So they were paying them anyway. I wonder if I could license shots from the show. Well, you know, no, because Judy Garland's in them. You can't. I said, no, I don't want Judy Garland mm-hmm. in the shot. I don't want any humans in the shot. I just want... The, the scenery. They said, what, what do you mean? So I, I rented the movie. I sat there with the stopwatch, uh, which is not particularly accurate, but it's as accurate apparently as uh-huh. I needed to be. Sure. And I said, I want the scene at, you know, 3.02. And that's the scene, the scarecrow scene, when he's met her 
they sing "We're Off to See the Wizard." Mm-hmm. I mean, she's already he's already sung his song. If right. I only had a brain, then "We're Off to See the Wizard." They start walking up the yellow brick road in you know into the frame. Then they turn right and they go out of frame. And for one or two seconds before the dissolve to the next scene, there's no one in the frame. So I license that frame. I said, "I want that frame," and I'm going to play an entire scene. With my Dorothy and yeah. my Scarecrow in front of that scene, and it worked. And it really, it, it was really, beautiful. It was really yeah. neat. It was really neat. Wow. And yeah. uh, we, we took, uh, yeah, massaged it a little. Sharab uh, Vabi, yeah. who is our uh, digital uh, coordinator, she added some things. Yeah. The other scene is uh, Surrender Dorothy. Now uh-huh, I don't yeah. know if that's an actress. Obviously, an actress doesn't fly. It might sure. Be, yeah. It might have been a doll in the Probably movie. Probably was. Yeah. But we see we yeah. see that. But those are the only things that that uh, that were anything other than pastorals. There were anything other than. Yeah. Than, than exterior interiors, uh, but the but when we got into the inside in the winky scene, you know, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa mm-hmm. Uh, we needed interiors. So she, there were like sconces on I the did. wall. My wife mentioned was yeah. she was very impressed yeah. with that. The sconces not were burning, the, not from the movie, and that was very very not cool. That was a good movie. backdrop. Yeah. How'd you deal with the challenge of the little people? They were great. How did you get Munchkins? Well, we we, we put out a casting call, and and uh, Andy and and Michael Graven Parkers, to who run Spinning Tree Theater, they they're they've gotten a following in town, so they know a lot of kids. So they you know, we had some kids that they work with, but then we put up a a casting notice. We had the 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 auditions at a place called Music Theater Kansas City, which is out in kind of Shawnee in 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 in, in a movie theater. They they took over one of the stages in a movie theater, and they helped us with it. And we got like forty fifty kids showed up, and and we cast twenty five of them. Plus, we'd previously gone to Variety KC, the uh, social service agency. It's kind of an entertainment related mm-hmm. social service agency that uh, creates opportunities for the developmentally disabled. And we said, any kids want to want to be in this show. And Michael and Andy had worked with them before. So we had about 10 kids, 10 parents said, yeah. We had a, we had a, a session at their theater and five kids showed up and 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 four of them ended up in the show. Yeah, wow. And boy, they 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 worked and their families worked really hard on, on that. All the kids' families. They did, yeah. I think they enjoyed it. Yeah. Very seldom do kids, uh, you know, do things for which there are consequences. We try to uh, uh, harbor our children from anything that has consequences. You know, I mean, you know, have fun, be good, study. But but it, you, we, nobody should be depending on you, kid. And yet here at Wizard of Oz, those kids had to go out and do the choreography. Mm-hmm. They, some of them had lines in the play and. And you could see how, you know, kind of the impact it had. Because as Dick can tell you, nobody treated them like kids. No. It huh? was like, you know, we didn't, have, we didn't have Wranglers, so maybe a little. But, you know, once they were on once they were on stage, you got to be there. Mm-hmm. You got to be there. You got to do this. And that included kids, you know, two Down syndrome kids, mm-hmm. you know, who, for whom, you know, just taking steps, you know, was a challenge. Yeah. But they all came through. Well, and being I, in the industry, my question is who wrangled the moms? <laughs> We had two good wranglers. Okay. Good wranglers. And, and, and the place is big enough that we could tell the moms, <laughs> yeah. you know, stay out, you know. Sure. Drop your kids off and pick them up. Plenty you know, of room for you know, that. After, you know, sometimes, like that last show, suddenly, we, we, you know, we were deluged with like aunts and uncles. And we said, I, I mean, I, several got pissed off at me because I said, you can't go back there. And it was like, What? Uh-huh. <laughs> not to see my my my, my yeah. granddaughter. Yeah. No, I mean I could tell they were really angry with me, mm-hmm. but we don't have room for you back yeah, here. Sure, this it was pretty a, tight. This is a yeah. working area. <laughs>
Back with more of our chat with Mark Edelman coming up and some audio I guarantee you you've never heard before. Hey, Dick, I don't know about you, but I'm yeah. a little parched. Do you want to go down to the lounge and grab something? Excellent idea. I'm ready. Yeah, me too. Yeah, let's do it. You know, when I was down there, I heard some guys arguing a minute ago. Yeah? I, I don't know what it was about. Let's go check that out first. Whoa, what? Wait a minute, look, look who's here. How can you believe it? It's Dean and Jerry. Martin and Lewis. Right here in our stupid little podcast is, lounge. Is that a picture of Omarosa? Now, come on, Jerry. She's a nice lady. That lady's not n- nice like a big snake, like a slippery snake. Oh, come on, Jerry. I'm telling you, Dean, stay away. It's not good. I'll tell you a little bit about my friend Omarosa. When she opens the trap, she just gets a bad rap, Omarosa. That, that's not right, dear. She chased the devil from hell, but I'm sure she means well, Omarosa. She's the devil. She might say some mean things to Illing Illing, and you sing, mean a bitch. That's what I was saying, Dean. She was a menace on The Apprentice, but I'm sure that she's not out to get you. Uh Uh-huh. I saw that show. Just stay out of her way, and you won't have to pay, Amorosa. She's terrible. Even if you're Donald Trump, you're just the next chump to my gal. When you're talking to her and you think that it's private, you marlow. Well, she's taping it all, and the book's gonna come out tomorrow. Oh, lady, she's not nice. Oh, come on now, I'm telling you, she's just a nice gal. I hate her. All right, well, she's a little bit difficult. I'd hit it. All right, all right, all right, all right, guys. Well, you know, when it's in the news, it could end up in our employee lounge. Let's get back with Mark Edelman. Uh, think back on, on your career and things like that and some of the other mayhem stories that when things maybe didn't go right or actors blew up or anything like that. Anything else well, comes course, to mind? In my business, it's, it's important to remember to, to leave, the to not, to not like get involved with, the, especially the stars. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to kind of keep your distance from them because if you, they see you, they'll ask you for things you probably, you know, yeah. are, will have trouble getting. I was going to sure. say, those kids were probably the easiest they ones you worked with. They, they <laughs> Although I sweat it out every night. Make sure every kid gets picked up and goes home with the uh-huh. right people. Yeah, you know, there you yeah. go. Yeah. But uh, we did the Starlight in 81 and Anna Maria Alberghetti was the uh, Guinevere in Camelot. We did a Camelot there that year with, I think, uh, I think Noel Harrison was the king. And Miss Abergetti was kind of famous. She'd done Carnival on Broadway. And it was an early use of body mics. And on Broadway in Carnival, uh, she was kind of celebrated for having gone backstage and cursed, and her body mic was still on. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it, at Camelot, she had to make a quick change. She goes off stage, she goes, shit! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody heard Anna Maria Alberghetti say shit. Um, that same season, we uh, we used a, a woman who was the casting director for ABC soap operas. She knew the director, and, and we didn't know anybody in New York. So Mary Jo said, Can, do you mind if I see, you see my son? You know, could he do, you know, Oliver? So we brought the kid in. 
he was pretty good. And uh, for like uh, two weeks, we chased Christian Slater around uh, Starlet. He was like such a character. We'd like discover him like hanging out like in places he wasn't supposed to be. Oh, really? Was, like, we had to put a muzzle <laughs> on him. And actually, he he. Before they built that thing that that's there now, they had the the two towers left and right of the stage. Right, and and you don't really go up in those. But he was like messing around in those. It kind of gave us the idea to do a scene from there. You know, there's a scene in the show uh, Who Will Buy This Wonderful you know, when he starts it out. So for the first time, we actually used the louvers. We 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 put a little platform there we stuck him up there because he had proven to be fearless oh, yeah. going up there anyway so we stuck him up there and he did the scene wow the opening of the scene from from that place you know that's a great uh, story that was christian slater that christian did that. Slater. okay uh, yeah in fact i have a i have a, i have his his like bio picture when he was 11 i oh, okay. i put it up on our on our refrigerator <laughs> at, the, at the office i say this is Chris Sander, who worked for Thiedley, just like you. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Pat O'Neill's dad uh, took him out to the uh, to the bars with the pink elephants and stuff back then. Well, uh, hold on a minute, Mark. Uh, a lovely lady has walked into the room with, with two iced teas Delicious here. iced tea here. Yes. Thank you. And uh, Mark, would you like to introduce her? This is my bride, Karen Lichterman, who's, uh, you know, they say your better half. This is my better 80%. Oh, hi, Karen. I'm glad to see both of you. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting us into your home and yes. sharing some iced tea and some stories along the way. It's our pleasure. You, you were asking uh, other Starlight things. What else? Uh, well, we hired, who was the guy? Harv Prisnell. Remember Harv Prisnell did Daddy Warbucks and Annie? And and somebody called me and said, be sure, be sure he pays his hotel bill. And sure enough, we went down there. You know, I mean, we we paid the hotel bill, but he's supposed to pay for incident. Sure enough, he had like you know the mini bar was thousands uh, of dollars oh, yeah, of yeah, incident. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see, um, you know, stories. Uh, who's the guy in California Suite? Um, we had uh, Robert Reed. Robert Reed mm-hmm. he was an actor. Keeps me he was he was he had a TV show, The Brady, Brady. Bunch. He was the father of yeah. Brady Bunch. And in uh, at Houlihan's on the Plaza, I took the cast out for a drink mm-hmm. uh, or food dinner, and uh, he he drank he he, he drank Angostura bitters and club soda. I said, "What's that?" And he said, "It's good for if you know you have an upset stomach." So I learned that. Uh, from Robert Reed, Victor Borga <laughs> took us to dinner at the very few. Actors, I'm, I'm guessing very, Victor Borga didn't drink Angostura bitters. No, probably not. But you know what he did order? Cornish game hen, because okay. Okay. because he created the Cornish game hen industry in the United States. Really? Yes. I'll be darned. Look it up. Cub, oh. Cub, Cub, Cubby Broccoli's family. Cubby Broccoli's family created broccoli. Uh, years ago, you know, in generations ago, and, huh. and Victor Borga created the Cornish game and industry, which I think did not do well financially. <laughs> but that was that was his big thing. Uh, but he actually picked up a check. The only other guy to pick up I can remember pick up a check was uh, Lucy Arnaz's husband, um, Larry Luckenbill. Okay. Now you think about, I mean, Lucy Arnaz, that family, the Arnaz family had a lot of dough, but Larry picked up the check. We went to. The Hereford House, mm-hmm. and uh, my wife tells me I have to throttle this story. Lucy's dad showed up, and he got drunk. Okay, and he did sing Bob. Oh, Desi, Desi, wow. he did sing Bob. I thought he stood on the table. Karen says he didn't, he didn't sit on the table. <laughs> but, he, but he did get up and walk away from the table and make a bit of a spectacle. Girl, and actually that week, um, Karen came. In, 
came in more than handy. I mean, she, she's a very handy person, but they brought their kids with them. And Karen, like, babysat the kids. For years, we had a little, like, stroller thing. I was pregnant with my first one, and Lucy and Larry had a couple little ones. And when they left, they said, oh, we don't need this little infant seat anymore. You take it. So <laughs> I had Let's that. see. And we used to, and I, uh, speaking of discards, our living room carpet on Cherokee was the carpet that I had to buy for Sinatra at Kemper. You know, you, I mean, you, you buy a carpet, oh, yeah. you buy a piece of carpet, it's a, it's the size of the stage, it was in the round. Yeah, so the, I was at, there, at, at the I end, saw that carpet. At the end they said, <laughs> I said, roll it up and put it in my car. <laughs> and it was like the carpet in our living room for many years. Wow. So you pointed to it and said, you know, Sinatra sang right there. Right, I, I have a glass. Uh, point I, right I, at your rug. I have a glass uh, <laughs> with his initials on it. I can point to and say, I don't know if he drank out of it, but we, <laughs> we got him this monogram glass. Wow. Sinatra, you know, you'd think it'd be a big deal, but Sinatra, uh, we did him in Kemper a couple times, and you know, you, you you had to kind of decorate the basically the the you know the hockey dressing room. It's not there's no palatial, there weren't mm -hmm. any palatial digs there, so you put pipe and drape around it, and you make it look nice. He eats. A, ca a can of Campbell's tomato soup, which cannot be opened. I mean, I mean, you, it has to be unopened. Okay. A hot plate and a saucer, and Sauce he makes it, huh? Saucepan. Saucepan, mm -hmm. and I think that's it. Or there, or there's an egg involved somehow, or maybe egg salad, but that seems too complicated. But he like eat, ate very little. When we did this, Carl DeCapo would come with. With like you know truckloads of food, it's all sitting out in the lot, in the in the uh, the breezeway, and uh, the band who Sancho brought with him, like we couldn't come up with a band, uh, mm -hmm. but Sancho you know flew the band in. They all ate the food. But okay. Carl's got to be thinking Frank Sinatra's going to eat some of my food, yeah, like I, that yeah, movie, never, The Restaurant. I don't, I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever. I didn't ever want to tell him that, that Sinatra didn't eat anything because he doesn't. I mean, there's no aspersions on on your food. He ate. This little can of tomato mm. soup. On the other hand, his opening act, Liza, she was, I mean, she looked like, you'd see her walking around backstage, she looked like death warmed over. It was kind mm -hmm. of scary. Some, her assistant would give her this glass of something. It looked, it looked like kind of like a, like a chocolate, like chocolate malt. I mean, it was a thick drink. She'd drink it, she, she would like go, like, she would like explode out of there. She'd do her set and she'd come back wasted. You know, like, like spent. Oh, and that was. Wow. I, I, I gotta I get wondered, me some of that. What was I in that? Wondered, what yeah. was in that? What was in that? Uh, <laughs> CBD. That, that she did that. Yeah. But uh, wow. uh, those were characters. Again, people you didn't want to like. You just wanted to see from a distance, make sure it's all going well, and yeah. just stay away. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney was easy to do that way because Mickey Rooney, who did Sugar Babies uh, at the Midland, the first person to leave the theater. I mean, before any audience member left the theater. He did his curtain call. He had the directions and the timing and the car so that he like he like crossed right, went up those stairs, went out on 13th Street, that would be 13th Street, and was in his car before anybody else left. Before the applause died down. Before the applause died down. He was out of there, wow. which uh, was odd. His, his uh, co-star, Ann Miller, on the other hand, was... Uh, Real character. Sure. She, she took some TLC. Had to drive her around. She had puppies. I remember stopping with the dogs, the poodles on the plaza. You know, they. You know, she finally saw some 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 dirt. So the so like, get out, get out. And she's like, 
like letting the dogs pee next to Brush Creek. <laughs> Wacky stuff. Your father did a little review of something that this couple did. That's right. This this couple, you guys got married when was this? 1982 on the, uh, Valentine's Day. 1982 on the stage of the Midland Theater. And so LL, my dad, had a, a radio show on KCMO. I think it was LL Edge on the Run or something like that. And he'd come in and do these little vignettes. And we've got one here that, that you guys have kept that's really kind of an interesting little piece of local history. It's a keepsake of ours. That's right. And, and it is uh, LL Edge's report. On review. It's a, re- a review. I mean, I mean, because we were in the theater. I mean, he said, "I'm going to," re- you know, I because your dad also reviewed shows. Right. This was his review of a show called "I Do I Do," the marriage of uh, Karen and Mark. And here it is, and I, you guys got a pretty good review. We did. There was a wedding on Valentine's Day that was a bit on the unusual side. Personally, it's the most fun we've ever had at a wedding, and all we did was watch. Mark Edelman, who brought Big League Theater to Kansas City with his theater league, deserted bachelorhood to marry Karen Lichterman and may have set the traditional wedding back eons. It's the first wedding where applause broke out at the conclusion of each act, where even the rabbi got in a zinger about the garment industry, and that brought down the house. The ceremony took place in the Midland Theater with full showbiz atmosphere. Younger brothers of the bride and groom were side men, exchanging barbs about their beloved siblings. Professional acts led off the whole show with Suzanne Fernando, Brian Steele, and Ann Unger doing pieces direct from Broadway. Rabbi Gilbert Shaw even got star billing. The playbill gave rundowns on the leading players, proper acknowledgments of the folly theater for furnishing a backdrop, to CompuTicket, uh, since everyone entering was given a ticket, and even the caterers, the Italian gardens. The whole show was entitled, I Do, I Do, although no apologies or credits were listed for lifting that title direct from Broadway. The whole ceremony was not exclusively showbiz, there being some tender seconds during the ceremony, even though the groom had to have offstage prompting in the ring presentation. Following the ceremony, when most people uh, were sure that the groom would do a time step to the wings, there was typical reception goodies and wine. Somewhere there are some Jewish folks who are muttering things about whatever happened to tradition. But all those present had a super good time, the best we've ever had at a wedding. Now, if somebody can just come up with an idea to liven up funeral ceremonies, this is L.L. Edge on the go for KCMO. He plugged all the sponsors. That was good. He did. He did. He did. Uh, You know, when you were telling us earlier, Mark, about some of the plays, you, you did a little bit of singing to uh, demonstrate your point. <laughs> and it was pretty good. And Boy, uh, sweet to say so. And I found out, this is kind of news, but uh, there's a band called Guns and Haroses. That's right, Guns and Haroses. Great pronunciation there. Thank you. When, I, when, I, when Karen and I were first dating, we went to a show at the Folly Theater. It was called Tintypes. I think the Harriman series put it on. It was a little review of shows. And at one point in the show, um, the uh, the company sang, was it the Battle Hymn of the Republic? Well, actually, they did more than one that Alan right. but parodied, they did, but, but they that did, was one. They did, glory, glory, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And Karen and I turned to each other and we sang, glory, glory, Harry Lewis, glory, <laughs> glory, Harry Lewis. Because we'd grown up in households where Alan Sherman 
who had the song Hello Mudda, Hello, Hello Fada. Yeah. And he, uh, um, you know, we, we both knew all those records. In fact, Karen had records that I didn't even have. I thought my folks had all of them. She had a, a whole bunch more, which we are now part of our joint collection. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we were always, you know, intrigued. Karen wrote little parodies when she was in high school. I, I When I was in college, I, my fraternity, I, w I wrote musicals. We were in this musical competitions and you would take songs you didn't make, they weren't necessarily funny shows, but you would take songs and you'd, you'd rewrite the lyrics and you'd create a 30-minute musical. I did that, you know, in college. So we were both kind of sort of lyricists. Uh, I tell Karen, if we lived in L.A., maybe would have been, we would have been Alan and Marilyn Bregman <laughs> and hung out with uh, Burt Bagrat or something. But uh, years later, I, I started writing these little these little parodies. And they're, and they're, they're sort of 60s suburban perspective somewhat of a Jewish perspective, but more more of a cultural. I mean, they're not, they're not, there's no religion in them. Mm -hmm. We're not into that. But, you know, matzo balls and uh, wives like ours, baby, they were born to shop, uh, or, <laughs> uh, or don't worry, keep kosher. If you really want to be a Jew, don't worry, keep kosher. So I wrote, I wrote these tunes, and uh, a, a friend uh, who grew up here went to Southwest, Scott Simon, who was the musical director of Shanana. I'd run into him in L.A. because we had shows in L.A., and he's, I said, could you, like, record all these songs? Because you know all these songs. You know, Yakety Yak, Don't Look Back, that's about uh, Lot's wife, you know? Okay, Yak, yeah, you know, okay, uh, sure. He petrified, she petrified before their eyes, now you can sprinkle her on fries, <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> So, so Scott, who does all these old, you know, shana nuts, old rock and roll, you know, he knew guys who could play that sax solo. So these songs, so I, I walked into a studio in the back bedroom of some guy's apartment in Studio City, and they all these tracks were done, and I just recorded uh, my vocals over them. And there's a there's a CD out there. And it's Guns and Corrosives. Guns and Corrosives. It's on cdbaby.com. And it's called Give Me Some Latkes. Latkes. Yeah, latkes is what you eat uh, at Hanukkah. They're potato pancakes. And if you look at that cover, uh, that's about 70 latkes that my wife fried <laughs> and I subsequently ate. And there's your face coming through. Yeah. Well, the temperature is rising and my boat is frying a pan. I grated the potatoes and the onions by hand. Then and actually if you if you're That's an homage to an Alan Sherman yeah. album. Yeah, there's an Alan Sherman album we could probably show it to you. Called My Son the Nut. Oh, okay. And if you look at if, uh, my, uh, our cousin, uh, Bill Glass, uh, created, did all the artwork, did, did designed the cover, it's it's an homage. It looks just like the Alan Sherman. Oh, that's okay. great. Give me some latkes. There's available, lot, so, yeah. I'm sure, anywhere. Never, nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> available nowhere. And just like most records now, it's available, <laughs> now, it's available in the ether. Was this career after the rock band? 
Yeah, actually, and that's probably, I forgot, Lloyd, you're right. Guy was in a rock band as a kid. And this was at, what, Shawnee Mission East? uh Uh-huh, you know, although it was weird. I I ran into this kid. His dad was the, like, the janitor of our Hebrew school. And he saw me, like, you know, playing guitar in the parking lot. He said, why don't you come over and meet my son? These kids all lived in Platte City. So I was kind of like a rock star in Platte City. Oh, wow. While I was in You had the school. papers to go north of the river, huh? Well, actually, you know, my, mo- I, I, my mother would say, where are you going, Mark? I'd say, I'm going to band practice. Where? Oh, down the road. <laughs> I drove to Platte City. So, uh, wow. That now, was... are there still recordings of that? You know, a lot of us were into high school bands, but we don't have recordings of them. Well, any... well they actually, sad to say, there is a, there is a there recording is, on somebody, that. Somebody... Okay. Why they did this, I have no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. But somebody uh, I learned about three or four years ago went through the trash bin at, at a, a studio in, in uh, Independence called Cavern the Records. Cavern, yeah, yeah sure. And they found all these old tapes. And one of them, because I was called by this record company, mm-hmm. one of them was my band, The Change in Times. Oh. They said, can we use your record? I said, well, you know, I can't per- permit you to use the copyright. You have to do that yourself, but you can, you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the recording, sure, <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Yeah. You found it. It was in a dumpster. So the song, La Du Da Da. Yes or no, but I always maybe. That was on a 45 with In the Midnight Hour. Oh, Mercifully, In the Midnight Hour was lost. So La Du Dada is on an album called Lowe's in the mid-60s on Numbero Records. And you're there on the cover all well, dressed I, up? I'm the only guy they found. You know, we, our band did a did a half-hour show on Saturday mornings called The Happening. Uh, Murray Nolte was the uh, okay. was the, the host. Wow. And they would bring high school kids in. I had the uh, distinction of, of going to high school, you know, on a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon with a note from my mother, me and David Cassidy. Uh-huh. Uh, a note from our mothers that said, please... Please uh, dismiss Mark at two o'clock so he can tape his TV show. Ooh, look and at that you! That was pretty cool. <laughs> Love and, that. and the show and the show was sponsored by his, uh, uh, Corinth Baldwin Music, which was near my house, mm-hmm. you know, near Meadowbrook and, and Corinth School. And and because it, they were the sponsor, they wanted you to play their guitars on the show. So I mean, this is you know okay. like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, you go down yeah. and say, "I'll play that guitar this week. I'll this do week, this one, yeah. and then I'll play this one." Oh, so cool. it, was, it was kind of like living the Liverpool dream in oh, Prairie yeah. Village. Wow, yeah. bangs and all. <laughs> <laughs> bangs and all. And then it was on Saturday mornings. So I worked at Tom McCann at uh, or Robinsons. I worked at Robinsons mm-hmm. at uh, Metcalf South. So I would I would take lunch at eleven thirty. So I get a hamburger plunk myself down in Jenkins, which was at the end of the mm-hmm. mall there. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they sold TVs. That's where you could buy a TV. So I turned all the TV sh- sets onto my TV show and <laughs> sat there and watched it and waited for somebody to come by and go, 
<laughs> hey, is that you? Is that you? <laughs> no, no one ever did. What a great well, story. Well, you're a multimedia phenomenon in Kansas City. Uh, are we missing any? Well, it takes many decades. It takes did many decades. Did you have decades. a radio show? Or, uh... Well, we do have, you know, we produce a, a public radio show that's on 50 stations around the country now. Talk about I'm that not on it. I'm and not, what is I'm that not, show? It's called 12th Street Jump. Oh, sure. Public Radio's okay. weekly jazz, yeah. blues, and comedy jam. Just listened to it a couple of weeks ago. Like yeah. mm-hmm. That's on uh, KCUR here, mm-hmm. and it's on, uh, so we're on like 50 stations uh, who pay us a piddling to... Uh, to broadcast this show, but I write it and I executive produce it, kind of oversee it. Yeah. And uh, Pete Weber, who's with yeah, our, our Pete, company, is one Weber of the hosts. Pete, Ebony yeah. Fondren, David Bassey, David Joe Cartwright yeah. are on the show. And it, it's recorded, we do recordings now once a month at the Black Dolphin. Uh, we record it Wednesday night uh, and then it's on, it's, it's available for distribution on the public radio exchange the following week. So now what, uh, you're stepping back from Theater League a little bit, uh, how, how will it go on with, with well, you stepping our, back? Our, our staff will continue to do the you know, presentations mm-hmm. in, in Kansas City and elsewhere. Um, for many years, Can- Theater League, is, again, has, been, has given money as a contributor to the art scene and to uh, educational opportunities for kids and we'll continue to, to focus on that and work on other you know other projects yeah. this Wizard of Oz was sort of a another project we're going to uh, probably be involved in making sure that there are shows that tour uh, you know so our the theaters that that where we're where we present have have products we might do some more producing um, many years ago I uh, we had we hosted foreign exchange students mm-hmm. from Mallorca Okay. Uh, sisters we, we came one year and then was it back to back? No, there was a year in between. And they would plunk down in front of the TV and watch uh, Univision. And I, I, who had produced musicals, hiring people who had made a name in television, I thought to myself, gee, I wonder what those actors are doing uh, when they're not on Univision. Because mm-hmm. there's lots of Spanish-speaking people in the U.S. I wonder if I could do something like that with you know, with Spanish language actors. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something I hope to uh, okay. to follow up on. I actually did one show, it's been 15 years since I did it. I, I, I hired the the George Clooney and Jennifer Aniston of Spanish language television at the okay. time. Okay, yeah. Uh, he had been on the... He had been on the cover of People in Espanol. This the sexiest man alive. She was a big star. When I produced... I, so I hired them both to do a play... People magazine, people sent like photographers from New York to shoot this. We were like chased around by paparazzi. I mean, not, not, not the New York Times, no, but sure. you know the the Spanish language version of the National Enquirer. You know, kept uh, you know kept calling. The actress we heard of her over the years, and we and we heard of her most recently. She's the actress who introduced uh, El Chapo to Sean Penn, oh, Cato Castillo. Okay. So, uh, so we we've uh, she was she became she became famous. Oh yeah. Fine actress, really great actress. Wow. But uh, she's uh, she, she she now we think well maybe we shouldn't work with her. Maybe that, that might be uh, oh that that might be a little scary. Well, what incredible so, stories! So that's the thing. Yeah. Too. Incredible stories, incredible tales, and. So many things to do now, continuing in the future. So thank you. Yes, we look forward forward to you know the theater now more than ever. You know we need places where people can congregate. People maybe who have different 
political opinions, you know, outside of that room, people who maybe are, you know, aren't as tolerant as perhaps they could and should be. If they come together in a room, sit looking in the same direction and see, you know, a, a play like Kinky Boots where people cross over that divide, you know, mm-hmm. we're hardened, you know, you know, right-wing bullies, you know, confront drag queens and they find common ground. That's an important thing uh, and, yeah. and, and as important now as ever. It is, yeah. Well, you make quite a quite a difference in that field. Uh, one man's effort and you're you're having an impact in several different markets and have certainly taken things to a different level here. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's so, been fun and uh, you know and, and uh, I couldn't have done it without the young lady sitting next to me. Thank you, Karen, for sitting in and filling in the blanks when he forgot things. That's right. Well, that's kind of depressing, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Thank you. Good. Thank you, Thanks, both. Mark. Great. So great to talk along with Mark Edelman. That just about closes up our... Well, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, hello, who's this? Hey, Dick. Buzz Martini. Oh, Buzz. Yeah, the sales guy for our podcast. Uh, how we doing? Hey, listen, champ. I don't know. I can't get up. A- buck in here. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I uh, can't sell this podcast to shave my wife. What? What? Yeah. Huh? What? I, I call people up. I go, hey, it's Buzz Martini. You know, I work with Dick Wilson on the radio. They're like, oh, yeah, Dick Wilson. Oh. Sure, I remember. Oh, and then I go, well, he's got a podcast. Boom, they hang up on me. What? Oh. I got one idea, though, champ. I'm going to need some help. All right. It's, uh... Why? I find out, I'm reading the news, there's this yeah. guy named Peter Stroke. Oh, the FBI guy that j- just got fired for doing stuff. Yeah, that's the one. And uh, he gets fired, and so he gets up uh, at this site called uh, uh, GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he goes on there, and he cries about it, and boom, $250,000 right out of the chute. Yipes. That's what we need, champ. <laughs> need to get you and Loy on one of those things. But I need so. to come up with a name for you guys it's as cool as Peter Stroke. What? Let me know what you come up with, champ. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, oh, boy. Hey. hey, thanks again to Mark Edelman. What a great career. And, uh, Mark, we wish you all the best of luck as you venture out into new things and all that kind of stuff. We'll be venturing out into another Dick and Loy Media and Marketing Mayhem podcast soon. Uh, need to remember to take a breath. You might love it. You might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show. Yeah.